Welcome to Third Fridays, the monthly legal talk show from Lois LLC featuring attorney Christian Cisan. This is the original forum in which real attorneys discuss workers' compensation issues, share their opinions, and engage in colorful conversations. This show showcases diverse perspectives of attorneys handling workers' comp cases, including case law trends, practical litigation strategies, and hot topics. Here's your host, Christian Cisan. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mock Podcast. Uh, this is one of my favorite ones of the year. Uh, we uh, undergo a four or five month program here at Lois Law Firm to really test the litigation skills of our entire litigation teams, uh, attorneys and paralegals. And so I'll introduce first uh, last year's Mock Trial Champion for Paralegals, Kara Malinowski. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, it's nice to be back on this side of the table. Um, So welcome all. Uh, Congrats on making it this far. Um, I'm excited to kind of wrap this up and see who who takes the championship this year. (laughs) So Kara was on. Yeah, you were on the other side. And maybe it was this side. Oh, it was this side. Okay, so we recorded from (laughs) that side. Great. Um, What were you feeling when you were a finalist heading into the podcast round? Um, Definitely a little bit of nerves, but also confidence for making it that far, um, especially considering the pool of people that um, I was up against. So I'm sure you're all feeling kind of the same thing. Um, Also, just excitement to wrap up another year of mock trial. Were your hands cold? (laughs) They were probably definitely a little bit clammy. but Okay. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's welcome our finalists. Uh, Right now we have uh, Ryan Wallace, uh, Priyanki Rana. And Josh Roman, welcome to the show, guys. Hi. Thank you. So we started this thing off, right, with um, submission of a case theory, right? So you guys gave me a case theory of what has happened over the last four or five months. Mm -hmm. And then I submitted it anonymously to these two uh, next to me. And we essentially came up with a point system to actually introduce what the prompt was. So without further ado, I'm going to say that on the morning of April 21st, 2023, an event acknowledging Dr. O'Donnell's new position as chief of surgery was ambushed by the recently terminated Dr. Dunch in the doctor's lounge of University Hospital. Dr. Dunch presented to the event brandishing a gun and was apprehended by a security guard. Dr. Dunch then alleged he sustained a work-related injury while being restrained by the security guard. The claim has been disallowed by Judge Declan Gorley, who determined that Dr. Dunch committed fraud and is not entitled to benefits. There's video evidence to support the fraud finding, and further, Dr. Dunch was in the commission of a crime during the alleged injury. Dr. Dunch's injury was idiopathic and therefore not compensable. So I feel like that kind of frames it for our listeners here. Uh, So congratulations to uh, one of you finalists who submitted that. And let's go to probably my favorite portion of the entire program, the trivia round. Uh, as I, as you guys know, from he- listening to last year's podcast, questions are worth either one point, three points, or five points. There are only six questions available for you in the bank. Two are worth one, two are worth three, two are worth five. So one of you is going to pick a question, and that leaves, you know, the remaining five questions to be picked by everyone else, right? And it's going to go so on and so forth. So Josh, you were in third place heading to this round. You can pick first. What question would you like Kara to read off for you? A three-point? A three-point question. All right. Okay. What were the incidents that led to Dr. Dunch's termination? 
he prescribed medication to people who didn't need it. He removed a spleen instead of a or a kidney instead of a spleen. Um, he was receiving back end deals from the pharmaceutical company. He he abused prescription drugs and overprescribed drugs. All right, I think I am going to award Josh half credit for that one. Uh, we definitely had some of them. Uh, for steal of the remaining 1.5 points, uh, do you guys want to guess what the other incidents were that led to his termination? That would be Ryan and Prey. Okay, so like you guys both wrote it down, right? Mm-hmm. So just one of you, what do you got? Uh, you also left a sponge. That's what I had too. So. Okay, so you both got a sponge. Okay, so no one got the amputation of the wrong leg. <laughs> so I'll give you guys each half a point, right? So one and a half, and then half for you guys. All right, so a three-point question is off the board. We've got two one-point questions, one three, and two fives. Pre, you're in second heading into the podcast round, so where are we going from there? Um, I'll also th- take a three-point. Okay, a three-point question. <laughs> What are the names and occupations of the witnesses interviewed in the investigation report who did not testify? Um, okay, so who did not testify? We have, um, nurse, sorry, can I give one second? Um, we have nurse Allison Cole. She was a nurse supervisor. Um, and then we have uh, Dr. Joseph Melchioni, who was a president. Who also didn't testify. Um, then we had Nicholas Fortino, who was the pharmaceuticals rep. Um, I believe Dr. O'Donnell didn't testify either, who's the chief of surgery. And Kara testified, who was the chief compliance officer. And then Dr. Dunch, who is obviously the claimant. So, yeah. That's correct. Correct. Uh, so our thanks to Allison Cole, uh, Nick Fortino, and Joe Melchioni for helping us out, uh, even though they didn't get to testify. I think they probably wanted to. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So Pri's on the board for three points. Uh, Ryan, you're up. We have two one-point questions or two five-point questions. Let's go with the five. All right. Five-point question. Okay. Um... What were all four of the alternate alternate mechanisms of injury that were in the medical reports? This one's a tough one for sure. It's every medical report. Had something else? Alternate <laughs> mechanism of injury. I would say, um, in addition to being shot, Dr. O'Donnell had his shoulder pulled. Um, Christopher Major also injured his shoulder, breaking up the altercation. Um, Dr. Dunch stated that he injured his toes in the shooting as well. Dr. Um, uh, Chris Major also said that he probably hurt both of his soldier shoulders. And then um, Dr. Dunch or Dr. O'Donnell had a spleen injury. Unfortunately, that is incorrect. Yeah. Incorrect. Uh, with either of you guys, 
want an opportunity to steal. Can you restate the question? What were all four of the alternate mechanisms of injury that were in the medical reports? Try. If I try, then I lose the five points. If you right? try it and you don't get it right, you do lose the points as well. But what if I get half right? <laughs> well, why don't we just see? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Um, the risk is yours to take. Yeah. Um, you know what? It's fine. All right. Okay. <laughs> so. The um, alternate mechanisms were okay. being, oh, you're going to try it. Oh. No, I'm going to try okay. it. I thought you were saying you were not going to try <laughs> no, it. No, no, no. You know what? Okay. I'll risk it. So one of the reports said that there was a physical altercation slash assault. Um, the other, there was either a scaffolding or something related to that. Um, there was PTSD due to something. And then... It, the like the person noted in like one of the reports like tripped over something. Sorry, I know I'm saying tripped over a lot, yeah. but it, um, I mean there, a there were Wait, was it those a ladder? Weren't the four. Um, there was. She got one of she them. Got, she got. I she would got, even say two. Okay. I would say she got two of the four. Okay. You got the two assaulted of the four. by a coworker, uh -huh. and then it was like large sheetrock. Oh, okay. See. All right. Yeah. So we'll give you two and a half points. All right. Okay. Four mechanisms were. Assaulted by a coworker with a knife, uh, large sheetrock falling on a foot to cause a backwards fall, so, uh, lost footing and hit hit a head on a control panel for sprinkler alarms, mm -hmm. and walking when falling to twist an ankle. Mm -hmm. All right, now we're going back to you, Josh. We have two one point questions and one five point question. Do a one. I'm going for a one. All right. Um. What are the names of the three potential claimants from this accident? Dr. Josh, Dr. O'Donnell, and the security guard, Chris Major. That's correct. That is correct. Sometimes I'm looking at these and I'm like, the ones are so easy and the fives are so hard. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, that's how it goes, I guess. All right, that's correct. Uh, we're now back to you, Pri. We have one one point and one five point. Do I want to risk it? Or do I want to do the one? Is like the Jeopardy music playing? Is that what's going yeah. on while In I my decide? Head, for sure. <laughs> um, Don't get hands, cold hands. Okay, fine. I'll. How many points do I have right now? Seven something. I don't know. No, <laughs> we're five. We're five all going half. along, right? I'm relying um, on my judges here. I'm, I just oh, bring a personality. All right, I'll be safe and go with the one. Sorry. Go with the one. Yeah. All right. Who could be a potential defendant in a third-party claim? Um, potential defendant, I believe it would be Dr. O'Donnell, or since he was assaulted, um, or the security guard officer major, since like he tried to like intervene, and like he was also allegedly injured. So either of those two. All right. I'll accept that. Set that as an answer. Uh, one point uh, for you, Pri. Our and that leaves a five security. point for Mr. Wallace. Okay, Walsh. so we're good. Five point question for okay, Mr. Okay, let's try this again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have no choice. Yeah. Right. Other than socks slash shoes, name three items of clothing that Dr. Dunch was wearing in the surveillance video. Oh, he was, well, he was holding a golf club and also tools to fix his car. He was wearing um, 
is wearing golf shorts in the golf sports video, and he was wearing jean shorts when he was fixing his car. He was wearing a tank top when he was fixing a car, and he was wearing a very nice golf polo in the golf video. That's correct. I, of course, listed jean shorts as jorts, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> doesn't give me credit for that. Uh, good job. All right, so we finished the trivia round. Uh, oh, bonus question, of course. Okay. All right, this is for everybody. And you're going to get 10 points if you get it exactly correct, or five points if you're the closest without going over. Price is right rules. Okay. Okay. How many participants finished the mock trial program this year? How many participants finished the mock trial program this year? We have numbers. All right, we got a number from Ryan. We got a number from Josh. And we got a number from Pre. Correct answer is 32. 32 Damn, people that's crazy. finished the mock trial program this year. Uh, so that will go uh, five points to Ryan for being closest. All right, now that we finished the trivia round, we're going into the oral argument phase of the podcast. What we did was we gave you guys four different issues uh, to uh, argue, and you can take either side. The other two people will then get to be the rebuttal as a tag team against the person who's choosing the issue, right? So you guys don't know which issues you're going to pick. I have a little surprise for you. You can pick the issue you want. So again, we'll start with you, Josh. You're in third place. What issue would you like to pick? to argue on appeal and what position are you taking? Um, that he was not an employee. Okay, so you're going to take the position that Dr. Dunch was not an employee of the hospital at the time of the incident. That's, is that what you're saying? I'm actually gonna take the position that he wasn't an employee. That you, he was an employee, okay. So you are gonna say you're, you're the claimant's attorney and now Ryan and Pri, you are now representing the hospital saying that he's not the employee. Go ahead. Um, there were no termination papers provided to Dr. Dunch when he was allegedly fired and his ID scanned in when he presented to the event, which means it wasn't deactivated. That's true. That is true. We learned that at trial, right? So what do you guys say to that? Is I mean, it- he was clearly like, terminated a few weeks prior to the alleged accident even um he even like conceded during testimony that like hey by the way like i had a meeting like a couple weeks ago and i was fired or like not fired but like terminated um and when he attended the event for dr o'donnell he said like he wanted to oh sorry before he even attended he said that he only attended because he wanted to roughen up dr o'donnell so like clearly like you know, night, he did it out of spite. The night before, he also said, I want to fight for my job mm-hmm. back. And it's impossible to fight for a job back if you have the job. That's interesting. Any rebuttal to the rebuttal? Well, the hospital had sent an email out to all coworkers saying that he was fired, which seems like an HR issue. And if they went through, they went to lengths to advise everyone that he was fired, but they never even handed him termination papers. So whose like fault is that? I guess like, you know, like if 
if Dr. Dunch believes he's fired, but maybe the hospital doesn't go through with termination protocol, like what what would you guys say like is someone who should bear the burden of proving that uh, that issue? I would say that I would say that he hadn't been served termination papers yet. He'd only been terminated a few weeks earlier. And given the complicated um, situation that he found himself in and that the hospital had to deal with in terms of patients, that we don't know if there was, we know there was no termination paper yet, but we don't know if that was forthcoming and what needed to be done in the background in order to deal with all of his malpractice issues. That's true. Wouldn't that actually help Josh's point, right? If he wasn't terminated yet, or like the hospital, hospital. Well, I shouldn't say he wasn't terminated yet. He hadn't been given his the full paperwork as of yet. He was terminated, and it was very clear to him too that he was terminated. But in order to write everything down on the official paperwork, other than an HR email, which articulated that he was terminated, terminated, it might have taken a longer time given the issues. I mean, piggybacking off of what Ryan said, the HR did. Um, request Dr. Dunch to like return all materials, inclu- like especially like all employee provided materials to the hospital, but he refused to do so clearly. Um, we even have witness testimony indicating same. Um, so clearly like it shouldn't be that. I mean, again, like I don't think that like he should have been under the impression that he was not terminated when he clearly was. And there's like witnesses indicating that he was too, so. You know, you know what's great about that is like when we came up with this scenario, that was definitely not something that we would think was going to be a triable issue. And the fact that the assault happened and we're just like, oh, wait, he actually, is he an employee? I think it was just so, so random that came about and it really was shown by people just diving into the materials and trying to find things, which is exactly what this program is for. So, uh, all right, great job, guys. Um, we're now going to move to you, Pri. You're, you were second coming into today. So Josh has taken employee-employee relationship off the board. What issue would you like to argue and what side would you like to take? Hmm. Um, okay. I believe I will be doing fraud because okay. I love fraud and I also, you know, find a lot of fraud in my regular cases. So I'll be so doing fraud take that he committed fraud uh, or that he that he not. committed fraud okay. so i'll be on the carrier side be, okay you'll be the hospital which means josh and ryan you are now the claimant we're going to be arguing that he did not commit fraud mm-hmm. all right let's go okay so clearly the claimant like i mean the claim was disallowed the judge like noted that in his reserve decision clearly the claimant like um violated section 114a by misinterpreting material fact in contradiction to the medical evidence and the testimony that he himself gave. Um, so based on that, like he, again, like he did commit fraud. There's also video surveillance and social media, which indicate him performing physical activity. And so, again, like if people say that like social media, like should not be counted, I mean, it clearly should be counted considering social media pages are under the public sphere. And there is no requirement in like disclosure or producing information that is self-published by the claimant himself in advance of the testimony. Um, he, yeah, I mean, there's substantial evidence indicating that he did violate it. Um, the video was again served on all parties. He's seen 
even playing golf or like going under his car. Um, I don't think there should be like any issue um, as to why, like, you know, he, yeah, sorry. Oh, well, it's okay. So, yeah, so there's a clear, at least, issue for us to, to really discuss. So, Ryan or Josh, uh, what, what, what would you argue that in terms of, uh, you know, the opposite side, that the, he didn't commit fraud? I would argue that Dr. Dunge blew his toes off on his right foot um, during this accident, which supports the fact that he was legitimately injured from this um, event. Okay, but he did that to himself, if you think about it. He brought in the gun, which was clearly out of personal vendetta, and he basically attacked someone who was trying to present himself in front of someone. So it's also non-compensable. And like, it's non-compensable under workers' compensation when it's clearly a civil suit since he assaulted someone. So that wouldn't really like, you know. A fight can be compensable under New Jersey law if the fight has to do with a um, issues regarding job duties. Okay, but this is well, under let's, let's New York hear from, Let me hear from not Ryan. New Jersey. Let me hear from Ryan. I would argue, I would argue two separate things. Mm-hmm. I would argue first is even um, even if he was able to do the activities that we saw on the surveillance video, mm-hmm. that he was a doctor, more specifically a surgeon, and therefore those injuries prevented him from conducting his job, but maybe not other activities, especially given that a surgeon requires a really finite amount of control over your body in very sensitive situations. Okay. Secondly, I would argue that and the date of loss, Dr. Dunch may not necessarily have been in completely of sound mind due to the fact that he was, as Nicholas Fortino of Pharmaceuticals um, testified, taking AB 105, which is me- um, medicine for only for animals, not human beings, which was negligently provided to him, and his side effects including profuse sweating, shakes, and most importantly, increased temper. Okay, so you mean to tell me that he's taking medication which were not prescribed to him, which he himself abused. So you're- Medication provided by the hospital. No, the pharmaceutical rep does, like, is not represented by the hospital. So like, again, like back, like during the pharmaceutical, well, Mr. Fortino's testimony, he said that the claimant himself was asking for more medications. Therefore, he's at, like he himself did that to him, like he himself did that to himself um, by abusing medication. What so about that the video really... itself? Like the video itself, did you guys feel that it was properly authenticated based on the testimony at trial? I do not feel that way. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, okay. had you I in. Mean... Is there a why behind that? Or uh, you have a situation where. You know, we took some, or it was taken from his social media, right? And then there was also something where um, the employer, uh, I guess, found him working on the uh, on the car itself, wearing the jorts, of course. Uh, <laughs> what is that video good enough to pass as evidence for a judge to even review? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's within my like eye like it's right there in front of me um if something is in front of me 
you know, I can do whatever I want. Let's say like I want to take a picture of the tree. For example, that HR person could have been taking a picture of the tree or the car that the um, that Dr. Dunch was under. Maybe it was a really pretty car. Maybe, you know, the HR personnel saw that like, hey, wow, this is a vintage car. Let me take a picture of it. So clearly, if anything's, you know, in like eyewitness level, then like they can like do whatever they want. I disagree. I disagree for the reason I stated before that his ability to do his activities doesn't mean he could do his job, which again requires a really precise level of attention and control of your body. And okay. in addition, in those videos, we don't know the context of what that day was. We don't know what medication he may have been on in the sense that he may have been given medication for his pain that really made him able to do daily activities of living, but not still okay. enough to do his job or potentially could affect his mental state in order to return the work. And the only w way he could return to work properly is once he can do those things without medication. But why would he return to work when he was terminated? And also, if he's under the car, shouldn't like, and he injured his, allegedly injured his right leg and his right toe, like blew off his toes, wouldn't going under the car require the use of your right leg and your toes just to like bend down to put pressure on it? Well, or like in general, right. your like, or if you, even if those sites were injured, wouldn't you be using your arm, which the claimant is saying that he injured? It's not that he can't use it all, it's that he can't use it to the degree that he would need to for work purposes. But he was terminated and his insurance, oh, sorry, his license is under investigation. And um, so based on that, like why well, would he go back to work? It's being argued whether or not he was actually terminated. Yeah, but for the time being, he's on probation. So he clearly- As I a mean, surgeon, he's aware of what activities he can perform with certain types of injuries. He he deals with that all day. He knows what people can. Okay, but wasn't he just caught abusing medication and he was just caught with leaving multiple items in a claimant and amputating the wrong site? So. Yeah, but the evidence is prejudicial because we don't know the circumstances of what was occurring on the days of those activities. We don't know if he was taking medic. We don't know if on that day at those okay, moments he was taking medication. Okay, but the operative reports clear. Like, to him, whether or not it wasn't prescribed to him what previous medical treatment he'd undergone before or just after. We don't know any of the context, therefore it's prejudicial, leading to a conclusion um, without all the facts. Hey, Kara, so, what are you doing this weekend? It's getting, <laughs> it's getting real spicy here. Uh, let's just for, for purposes of time, we'll call that issue done and now uh, go to, to Ryan. So we have two issues left on the board. Which issue would you like to take and which side? I like to do issue two. Um, if Dr. Dunch was an employee, whether or not the incident was an accident in the course and scope of his employment, and I would like to take the side of the defense of the employer. Okay, so now we're assuming that he is an employee at the time of the incident, and you're gonna say that this accident still was not in the course and scope of employment. Yes. Okay, so you are gonna be hospital, and then Josh and Pre, you will take the claimant side. Okay. Don't you have to go first? Yes. Okay. So I would argue for the hospital that he was suspended at the time of the data loss. He was not invited to the event on that day. He stated that he only knew about it because of social media. Um, the president of the hospital, Joseph Melchioni, testified that there was no reason for him to be there that day. Um, Carol Malinowski also testified to the same effect. 
Um, and also because his license was medical license was under probation, he would have been barred from actually doing anything related to the practice of medicine. So there was no reason for him to have been at the hospital that day, even if he was technically still an employee um, at that time. I mean, he clearly was still an employee at the time, and the accident that arose at the work event was an open invite, and everyone was required to attend. He still had his employee key card, which, by the way, should have been taken if he was allegedly terminated, which he was not. So. This accident also occurred at approximately 10.05 in the morning, which is normal working hours, and it was in the doctor's lounge, which is, I'm assuming, a room specifically for people who are hired as doctors at this hospital, and he was technically still an employee. There's no official documents to prove otherwise. Well, the issue isn't whether or not he was employed. The issue was, was this in the scope of his employment, and it was not. He was not invited or asked to be at the hospital, as testified by Joseph Malfioni and Carol Malinowski. Were there invites sent out? Do you have a list? Or, like, is it... Yeah. Do you have a list of people who were invited? Well, presumably, given the testimony that he wasn't invited, there was individuals invited to the event by the hospital specifically, and he was not. Okay. And he was not asked to be there on that day for any reason. I mean he was not terminated he's still an employee and like the accident clearly did happen at the employment i don't know if you've looked at the accident the happened on the premises of the employer but that doesn't mean he was working the scope of his employment especially because it was due to personal animus between him and dr o'donnell as he spoke about the night before with chris major about his intense dislike and as testified by nurse cole um, that there were repeated altercations between them in the past. Okay, but is the testimony on record? Because I don't know if you remember at the trial, Nurse Cole did not testify. So if you're using that as a basis to like back whatever you're saying, then like where is the actual, like what are you referring to? Like where, like it's not on the record. Also an event commemorating a promotion has it's regarding job duties, which makes it in the course and scope of an appointment. And it's to the employer's benefit to for employees to be there because it's a celebration about the, the new chief of surgery. This it was my this was my favorite one. Mm -hmm. It wasn't an employment so. <laughs> event for him. It was still for going. Dr. O'Donnell. <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't done under amicable circumstances it was done to do his suspension of his medical license and his the replacement necessary for chief of surgery okay so let me ask that you doesn't this. seem was... like an event that he would be invited to i don't think anyone was technically invited there's no list yeah it's an open invite so like anyone can come and go even the security guard was wasn't paying attention like he he was also involved whether or not the security guard was properly conducting his duties is irrelevant to whether or not someone but was isn't he employed by the, the hospital then like shouldn't you guys like you know make sure that if like the security guard like should be monitoring who should come in and who should not if like that wasn't done properly then like how can you say that it wasn't within like the scope of the employment it wasn't in the scope of his employment because again as Joseph Melchioni said there was invites to the And is that testimony on the record? That testimony was given to us in witness interviews. Okay, but is the is that testimony on the record? If it's not on the record, then like we can't really use it. 
President Melchioni also stated that he wanted to keep his accident hush-hush, so I think he's more concerned with his own personal reasons. He's not going to be, we can't, his credibility is in question at this point. That still doesn't change the fact that he wasn't invited to be there. Okay, but how do you know who was invited? We know because, as was testified by Karamelnowski as well, he was not there for any work reason. He wasn't asked to be there in any way, nor does it make sense, even though his medical license, license was suspended, that he would be there, especially given it was a promotion event for his replacement. So then why wasn't his key card taken away if like, he wasn't an employee? And like, he shouldn't have been well, The issue isn't whether or not he was an employee. The issue is whether or not he was there in the scope of his employment. Which he, he was. He was still an employee under probation that's why they didn't take away his key card. Clearly, there are issues related to his medical license that still need to be worked out. Again, we've already adjudicated the issue of whether or not he's an employee. The issue is, it was this event, the promotional event, that he was not asked to be there, which is on the record, and under which was promoting his replacement in the scope of his employment, and it was not. There was no reason for him as a suspended employee under probation of the hospital for him to be at that event on that day, except due to his stated dislike of Dr. Addison O'Donnell. And he also said that he described him as an animal. I guess I should also say with an uncommon last name that uh, my partner, Joseph Melchioni, did not do anything wrong. He's playing a role. <laughs> He's playing a role. Uh, keeping it hush hush was just part of the act. Uh, but I, I do like that comment, Josh. Uh, I think we'll close there. Right. Um, so you guys each have had the chance to argue a point that you uh, chose and then had to field like a tag team. Uh, how did that feel compared to like the trial and the hearing? Like, would you guys say that this was like harder? Definitely. Why so? I don't know. It was, it was fine. I, I don't know about these two, but I, you know, came prepared with both sides. So I, you know, I mean, there were a few out of the Well, Josh, you mentioned that yeah. this one was a little bit more difficult. What, uh, what was difficult about it compared to some of the other prompts that we had? I think the pace in this is just quicker since that's true. Yeah. trial, there's multiple people making different points. So you can attack each one, which here's just like a series of thoughts. Yeah, you're kind of also on your own, right? No teams anymore and uh we can all feel like when it's like becoming dead air and it's just like then i'm gonna start saying something <laughs> to push uh any thoughts from you ryan yeah it's just diffusion responsibility i feel like not a team behind you not a team against you either just more focused on you and them so definitely a little yeah. more difficult for that reason we felt right. a lot of between you and them <laughs> yeah well, that last one was, that was super intense. Mm -hmm. I was just like, should I just like wheel myself out of the room here? <laughs> yeah, so um, well, I thought everybody did great. Uh, also want to commend you guys for the work and the performances you guys had for the last four or five months. I think it's just uh, a way to really show that um, creativity and advocacy is built on just prep, right? Like when you work on something and you can give yourself the opportunity to put yourself in a position to say any one thing that puts the other side at risk of having to defend against you, uh, it really demonstrates the individuality that you guys can have and really contribute not only to something like this, but to the cases that you work on. I think that 
you know, some claimant attorney uh, people that I know that listen to this podcast, if they see this and they try to ask you to join their firm, you should probably say no. Okay, <laughs> just stay with us. We're going to be just fine. So uh, for Josh Roman, Priyanki Rana, Ryan Wallace, uh, my co-chair, Kara Malinowski, my name is Christian Cisan. We'll be right back with the attorneys. Hi, everybody, and we're back. Uh, this is the attorney uh, segment of the mock trial finals, and we have three new competitors this year. Uh, I don't know how they're going to live up to our paralegal performance, but uh, they're going to try. Uh, I was actually saying at the end of that last segment that if our competitors listen to this, or maybe I hope that they don't, uh, because they might just start poaching our paralegals for how good they're doing. Uh, but first, I'd like to welcome back to the show uh, last year's mock trial champion, Connor Weatherington. Uh, yes, you just gave a wave. We're not on video. But uh, welcome back to the show. How does it feel to be on this side of the table today? You know, it feels really good. Um, you know, the past three times I've competed, I was on the other side of the table sitting in those seats. Uh, but it feels good to have someone else's fate in my hands. Ah, there it is. That's, that's the Connor Weatherington we all know and love. So... Uh, just to, uh, I guess, thank our listeners for still listening to us uh, at this point, I'm going to read a different case theory. It's going to be the same fact pattern that you guys may have heard in the paralegal portion. Uh, but let's see if you guys think this is better. I'm actually interested to see if uh, the loyal listeners that email me about the podcast every so often will tell me if they like the, the attorney prompt better than uh, the paralegal one. So we're going to go uh, with this person. The judge's decision to disallow the claim and find the claimant fraudulent must be upheld in its entirety as it does not contain any error of law or fact. The claimant, a former disgruntled employee of the hospital, trespassed hospital premises after learning of his termination and assaulted a current employee of the hospital. Therefore, there is no compensable work-related accident since the claimant's termination makes evident that no employee-employer relationship exists. Moreover, properly authenticated video surveillance was produced for all parties to review, showcasing the claimant working considerably on his car and enjoying himself at a driving range. The surveillance produced evidence of no disability and solidifies the judge's determination that the claimant lacks any minutia of credibility. All right. That's a good word there, minutia. Yeah? That was, that was, that was definitely your favorite one. Um, okay, so I think our listeners have it, and now we move on to my favorite portion of the entire year. This is trivia. Uh, we're going to do it a little bit differently. I know you guys listened to uh, last year's podcast, or even if it didn't, doesn't really matter because we got new rules. Uh, there are six total questions in the bank, all right? Two questions are worth one point. Two questions are worth three. Two questions are worth five. Paralegals have already taken questions from the bank. So those questions that they were given are not provided to you, which means that I guess the questions that Kara left for you guys could be harder or easier. No, no. Uh, so we're going to start with uh, the, the person in third place. That would be you, Tomer. Uh, and you can pick one, three, or five. Gotcha. At random, I choose. You can choose up one point, a three point, and five gotcha. points. If you get it right, you get that amount of points. If you get it wrong, you lose that amount of points. If you lose that amount of points, your competitors can also steal. Let's go for a nice and easy two-pointer. Well, since there are no oh, two-point questions, we have I don't one. even know whether to subtract. Get a deduction for that? 
We're definitely not deleting that from the podcast yeah, as well. Okay. I think Fair. we got to go back and re uh, relist the point system. It's one, three, <laughs> or five. Already the paralegals are ahead. Yes. All right. So, you know what? We'll, we'll go for three. I'll go back. We'll go on for that. three. Yeah. All right. Take it away, Connor. Name the three non finalist attorneys slash paralegals who won a prompt. Okay. Uh, Tomer's like, who other than myself <laughs> didn't earn who won? So three for both paras. There and are three total attorneys and paralegals that won right. a prompt that are not recording a podcast. Who are they? Okay. Um, so there's Diana, there's Jess, and there's Karen. That is correct. Ding, ding, ding. Diana Goodwin won the hearing prompt. Uh, Karen Olarte won the hearing prompt as well. And Jess won the trial prompt. Uh, Good job. All right, so three points for you, Tomer. Thank you. Uh, We'll go to Alexis Cintron next. You're in second place. You can pick a one, three, or five. I'm going to stay at a three for right now. Okay. The last... Three-point question on the board, Connor. All right. Alexa, this question is Hold for on. you. Hold on, and I want to say this is a timed question. So you have 15 seconds to answer this one. Did Tomer have 15 seconds This one's answer? a little easier. Okay. What are the names of the four providers who were deposed in what was their area of specialty? So Dr. Carafin was pain... Wait, wait, wait. How many seconds do I have? How many seconds do I have? Seven. Paraffin was six, a case man- management five, doctor. Dr. Roden was three, a regular MD. Two, Cunningham one. was a psychiatrist and doctor. Can I steal that? You you guys can steal, but you also have 15 seconds starting now. Dr. Fursell is an anesthesiologist. Dr. Carafin is a pain management doctor. Uh, nurse practitioner Cunningham is a psych mental health Nurse practitioner and Dr. Roden is an orthopedist. All right, that is correct. So, Alexa, you'll get one and a half points, and Corey will take the other one and a half. All right, Corey. You're in first place heading in, uh, Mr. Benavides. One point or a five point question? Let's go five. Oh, let's go. If you could re-pitch Dr. O'Donnell's case to the hospital, what would you recommend? As if I were representing Dr. O'Donnell? As if you were representing the hospital. You're pitching the to hospital. the hospital. So remember what was pitched. What I would do is claim that it's a non-compensable accident based on the fact that the assault occurred because of an animosity between the two um, parties involved in the assault that had nothing to do with their professional or employment life within the hospital. It exists outside the hospital, which uh, I believe they were on a hockey team together and had some issues there. Uh, There's been mention of them having arguments with each other outside of the hospital, um, which has no professional implication and therefore not within the course or scope of their employment. And the mere fact that the assault occurred on the hospital premises is not in and of itself compensable. Is there is there a means to add on to that or as far as a steal, I'm not 
sure how that would work. Let's see how yeah. many points I get first. Yeah, um, I'm actually because the thing is, is like if I if I if we award the points for that, then you would know that like that would be what we were looking for. So if I say that, then I'm more interested actually if either of you two want to add or differentiate. But if you if you try and you don't have what we were looking for then you would also lose points as part of the game. Right. So well, I would I, I think if I were to pitch it to the hospital, what I would focus more more so on is the lack of employer employee um, relationship um, uh, here at issue. Um, I, I think um, you know I'm yeah, no, I'm gonna strike that actually, you know. Well you did it's, talk. It's too late. Did talk. Uh, yeah. So Yeah. I hate to be a stickler. Yeah, that one's a shoot, I guess. Season. Yeah, this one's a tough one. Uh, this is definitely a CSON special um, because there's no like true right answer. But if you think about where the fact pattern led, right, um, you have the hospital introducing Dr. O'Donnell as their new chief of surgery, and he is a valuable employee right. to this hospital. And what the pitch really should have been is you should accept this claim because Dr. O'Donnell's a That's valuable not the way. employee. While it may be not compensable, you may actually consider the PR aspect of keeping your employees happy if they're valuable to you. Hoisted by my own petard on this one. <laughs> I think I used that pitch in my pitch, the PR aspect. <laughs> well, the, the question was if you could repitch. Uh, yeah. I already did that And one, you, so and you actually <laughs> won. That's, that's actually, you actually won that prompt, Corey, the pitch prompt. Uh, and I remember that because it was just uh, a very, very impressive uh, demonstration of marketing. So not to say that pitching that was wrong. I'm really glad that Kara left that for us here uh, because Brutal. that is not necessarily like a yes or no. I think that's just like a helpful discussion uh, for everybody. It was a I helped Corey with that pitch, don't forget. Oh, right. You guys are on the same <laughs> team. Okay. Yes, you're right. You guys are on the same team. You won best team. Corey won best attorney in that. Okay. So is that minus two and a half? I don't know. I, what, do you, what do you think, Connor? Because, like, obviously that's not, um, you know, like a, a black and white. It's a little gray. What do, what do you want to do since you enjoy deciding people's fate? I think I'm going to have to give minus two to each. Minus because two to each. we wanted to accept it. That was the answer. Yeah. That's okay. what we were looking for, and they went the other direction. All right. All's fair in love and war and podcasts. Wow. All right. It's going to get that serious. Let's go. That All right. A, that was a five-pointer? That was a five-pointer. Okay. Um, so Connor could have been harsher. So, you know. I, I could that. have gone minus five for both of you. you totally both chimed in. Tomer, especially you. Yeah, I agree with that. But, you know, I'm happy that you're so Tomer, forgiving. So. Tomer especially. <laughs> Just kidding, everyone. All right. We're back to you, Tomer. You're in third place. We have two one-point questions and one five-point question. Um, I'm going to go with just playing it safe with that one point. Playing it safe in third place. That's interesting. Move. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to get them elsewhere. I'll get them elsewhere. Okay. How did the carrier witness obtain each of the videos? If I remember correctly... Um, she was uh, 
the CCO. Use, using words to <laughs> break the I silence. I hope you remember correctly because it's worth a point. That's correct. Yeah. So <laughs> if I remember correctly, and my memory's I think decent on this one, um, Kara was filming, or maybe not Kara, but was filming personally. Uh, the the employer witness was filming personally. Doctor Dunch. Incorrect. No? That is incorrect. Bum bum bum. Would anyone like to steal? I saw Can I Alexa. repeat the question before? Sure, I'll repeat the question. <laughs> but we'll do, I guess, a buzzer type system or raise your hand really quickly. For who wants to steal, I'll let them, whoever goes first. So the question is, how did the carrier obtain each of the videos? You also don't have to steal. I'm going to pass. Right. So the correct answer is social media, because the golf one was on Facebook. And, then and the second part is actually Kara retrieved it from another employee's mm. iPhone. That was the testimony at trial. Right. Memory did not serve me well. <laughs> hey, humility is a thing, too. My transcript got lost in the mail. <laughs> yeah, talk to about that. All right. We'll now go to you, Alexa. No 15-second requirement for you here. Thank you. So nice. <laughs> um, a one or a five? I'll go one. Okay. I see what you guys Even, are doing. Even Corey for the fives. Uh, all right. Alexa, what was the order of the prompts? Order of the prompts was... First prompt was the witness um, meeting and client pitch. The second prompt was um, the initial hearing on with the judge. The third prompt were depositions of the treating doctors. And the final prompt was the trial. Ding, ding, ding. That is correct. Uh, you get extra points <laughs> for putting the witness uh, prep in there because, you know, I just had, I just had pitch, but... Not, you don't you don't actually get extra points, but I just want to that say was to you. Misleading. <laughs> <laughs> so misleading. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. That's what we call brownie points. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Brownie points are good. Okay. Corey, you got a five point question here. It's not a it, it's it's black and white. So Oh the, great. So it's not it's not as gray as the last one. Thankfully. <laughs> so Corey, your five point question is. What are the first names of all the mock trial judges that graded at least one prompt? The first names? The first names of first all names. the judges that graded at least one prompt. Connor. Christian. Um, Joseph. Christopher. Kara. Five. How many there yet? Where are many? I'm not going to say how many there are, but you have five so far. Um, Do we have a time limit on this? I mean, it's been <laughs> going on for a bit. Why isn't there a 15 he has list names? Yeah, five this names. Where we put the music drop. I think, I think the, we should uh, just cut them off. Do, do, Thank you. Do, 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 do. All right, five seconds. That's all I got. Okay. Can I steal one? I can steal two. You can steal two. You, none of you can steal three? Actually, I have it as can four I, left. Can I speak? Oh, he said, he said one, two, three, four, five. Did he say this one? Mm -mm. Oh, there are four. There are four left. If anybody can name four, whoever can thinks they can name the most will get to go first. 
I can try. What do you, well, oh. what, what, how many do you want to say? Three. You want to say three? Do you want to say four, Tomer? No, I'll let her get three, though, if she got three. Okay. Smart. Jeremy, Smart Addison, Alicia. That's correct. That is correct. Mm. And the last one was Brianna. Mm. Uh, yep. So five points for Alexa. And that can, well, nope, the trick round's not over. There's one bonus 10 point what question. What should we do here with Corey, though? I did oh, answer no, that question. Did. That's true. That's true. Yeah, what do you want to do here? Getting he, railroaded over here. He he answered more. He got four. But no, he got five. He got five. But he had he started. Right. Maybe we should deduct. I don't think that I don't think that anybody <laughs> should lose points. You want to give five to both of them? No. That's crazy. Talk. Maybe not five. Maybe not five. Let's call it four and call it a day. Nah. I'm negotiating. I, I like. Should, he got how many? Well, he got I, five. I, you I had, would you say had three. Well, if my math is correct, <laughs> which it probably won't be, I would say three and a half to Corey and one and a half to Alexa. Okay. We'll go with that. Okay. All right. Except. There is one final 10 point question. It's for each of you, and it's Price is Right rules closest to the pin without going over. Do we need to write this down? No. Well, you can if you want. All right. Or potentially all the marbles for 10 points. How many participants finished the mock trial program this year? Finished? So it's as close as we are. I mean, we don't, if we don't have the exact number. Price is right rules. Uh, I'm not so familiar. If, so can't go over. <laughs> Do you not have any if you, days If you trial? go over the yeah. number, you're, you're out. Gotcha. So it's everybody who gets the number or below is eligible for 10 points. If you get the number exactly, that's 10 points. The closest person, if no one gets the number, will get five. Okay. Should we just blurt it out? Should we write it down? Why don't you write it down so that people don't steal it? The the paralegal winner was two two participants away with their guess. Dang. Are we ready? I think so. All right, let's let's flip them. All right, Tomer like is going to get five points. There were thirty-two participants. I it was thirty-two. I was going to put thirty-two, but I didn't want to risk it going over. You know, this price is right. You know, sometimes you have to risk it for points. the biscuit, my friend. Thirty-two points. Some risk is okay. <laughs> All right, <laughs> trivia is over. We're now going to go to oral <laughs> argument. Uh, paralegals got to choose their issue. You guys, I'm going to choose the issue, and Connor is going to choose the side, okay? So uh, we'll start with Tomer, since you're in third place heading into the podcast. Your issue is, when, if at all, was Dr. Dunch no longer an employee of the hospital? Oh, this is it's on me now. Um <laughs> I'm going to take points away from Connor. <laughs> Good thing I'm not being graded. <laughs> Tomer, I would like you to be claimant side. Claimant side. Okay. So you'd be arguing that the claimant is an employee, right. but now you have to argue when, when he is an employee, obviously. When he is an employee. All right. Or when his, when his employment relationship ended. That's, yeah. that's also the same thing, but just conversely. Okay. Um, 
So it is without question that Dr. Dunch maintained his employment status with the hospital um, beyond the April 21st, 2023 incident as he maintained his employee uh, access card, which we had heard testimony from multiple witnesses that um, only employees are given um, such a card for access to the hospital. He was on premises as he was allowed to be at the time. He had no written confirmation, no actual notice of his termination um, at, uh, you know, since that event had occurred. Uh, ultimately, the employer-employee relationship between the hospital and, Mr. and Dr. Dunch uh, continued and um, therefore, given the acts that occurred on the premises when Dr. Dunch was assaulted, uh, they, as I said earlier, they, they occurred on the premises and therefore um, the injury is compensable. Uh, yeah, I'll go with that if that's all right. All right, what do you guys say? So, um, on the defense side, I would say that there was clearly no employee-employee relationship between Dr. Dunge and the hospital. Um, there's a third department case um, of Ross Lachelle that goes into the factors of assessing the employee-employee relationship. You give consideration to things such as the right to control the claimant's work, the right to uh, discharge method of payment, furnishing of payment, and in this case, um, there's evidence that supports that Dr. Dunge was terminated weeks before the date of loss due to multiple issues of malpractice. Um, the hospital no longer controlled Dr. Dunge's work. They didn't pay him anymore. Um, and in this assessment, no one factor is dispositive. So the one fact in the record that Dr. Dunge did not return the key card that the hospital furnished to him should not disturb the board's decision that an employee-employee relationship did not exist between Dr. Dunge and the hospital. I concur. <laughs> All right. What I mean, then, to that effect, then, doesn't the hospital, you were talking about the right to control, doesn't the hospital control whether he has access to the key card? That could be an issue that is discussed. However, like I said, the third department case is clear that no one factor in the assessment is dispositive. So I don't think the board level was in their right to afford the credibility to the evidence in the file. And I don't think the board's decision should be disturbed based on one fact that the key card was not returned. There's other factors that go into it. Right. There's a substantial amount of credible evidence that would establish that fact pattern, I agree. There's also the argument that he was a disgruntled employee, and if he they left in on bad terms, it could have been Dr. Dunch who refused to get back the key card. I would give weight to the board's decision. Okay. We don't have any, any indication that uh, Dr. Dunch was was, was told to give back his key card. All we know is that um, he was off the premises. He maintained his key card. Um, and he was within his right to appear at the presentation for Dr. O'Donnell. Um, there's nothing to suggest that he had any reason to not be there up until Well, he then. wasn't invited. He found out about it through social media. I think he was an uninvited guest who showed up with a gun. I don't think that's... I think that's a misrepresentation think, of the facts. I think it would make sense that a, a, an employee that's no longer employed with the facility. I'm sorry, an employee that's no longer employed at the facility. Well, uh, if, if we're assuming it that he was like a terminated, that he was terminated. If, if we're assuming that he's terminated, he wouldn't have the ability to go through any of the access ports. I think that would be a just because pretty of standard the negligence policy. of a uh, security official who was in charge of. You, you can you can remotely disengage those ID cards from accessing certain points sure. of, and that wasn't done. 
Correct. That that you know you could point to negligence, sure, but that doesn't establish an employee-employee relationship. And if I also, if I remember correctly, it is not uh, Mr. Major's uh, position to, to to deal with the key cards. That was oh, a no, hospital. It could have been another hospital security it was administrator. Within, it was yeah. It was within the hospital's uh, domain to to control that aspect of it. So, you know, I think the the real hinge here is the access that Dr. Dunge had. Um, and it's clear to everyone that he maintained access to the premises. Um, so he was within his scope of his employment when he appeared at the presentation. Okay. I think that's a satisfactory conclusion to that issue. Uh, Alexa, we'll, we'll go with you next. You're, you're second. Uh, your issue is whether the video and surveillance materials were properly authenticated. Which side would you like to give her, Connor? I think knowing what I know, I think Alexa should be on the carrier side for this question. All right. So, wait, yeah. You're arguing that the video and the surveillance materials were properly authenticated if you are a defense, right? Right. So, um, first and foremost, I would say that the surveillance footage was made known to Dr. Dunch and all parties before the testimony of Dr. Dunch was taken. Um, so he was proper, everyone was properly on notice that the surveillance existed. I would also say that our employer witness um, who testified to the surveillance footage credibly testified, they testified to the chain of custody that was taken with the surveillance and um, as it was presented to all parties pursuant to the case law, I think it was properly brought into the record. Um, if I were to, um, so I, I, from the claimant's perspective, the, the video surveillance that was provided while it was provided to the parties timely, there's no indication of when those videos were taken. There's no timestamps on those videos. We heard testimony from Kara Malinowski that she had not actually been the one who um, took footage of the of Dr. Dunch. Um, we don't have any understanding of whether the footage was cut, edited, manipulated in some way or, or another. Um, so, despite the timeliness that opposing or Ms. Cintron seems to be <laughs> uh, noting in her summations, I, I think what we do know is that there is no understanding of. The, the scope of this footage. It, it was not properly authenticated per the testimony that we heard from Ms. Malinowski. I agree. I don't know if a chief compliance officer is uh, <clears throat> equipped to make a judgment call on whether or not something was duplicated, manipulated, um, redated. I agree. The, uh, the authentication, I think, and the weight that it was given by the judge was, was entirely too much based on one person's testimony who's not an expert in that field. Do we know when Dr. Dunch was seen at the golfing range? I would again, though, just like to add before I get back to that, that the board or the court gives great deference to the board's determination on witness credibility, and they clearly gave deference to Doc, uh, Ms. Malinowski at the trial level. So the board's decision about the authenticity of the surveillance footage should not be disturbed. They believed Dr. Malinowski was credible in testifying to the authentication of the video. And again, the claimant was weight melt was made aware prior to <coughs> providing his testimony about the video, um, and he decided not to correct any of his statements. So 
again, I would not disturb the board's decision on the credibility of the surveillance footage. I still think for proper introduction into evidence to at least be considered, you would need an expert in the field of video recording, video editing, to at least look over what's been provided and determine whether or not it's been manipulated in any way. And at least date it. Did Dr. Dunch ever admit that it wasn't him or, or allege that it wasn't him on any of those videos? He testified to it not being him on the video. He testified to it not being him. It didn't look like him. So what, what would you, as a defense attorney, argue if the claimant is going to allege that that's not me? Because if the judge believes that it's not him, that all the videos and the materials are out, right? So how would you argue that uh, whatever testimony Dr. Dunch is saying is not credible as to whether it's him in the video? That is a toughie, but I mean, could be for anyone. Defense could have done a, uh, a search with motor vehicle. Uh, there was an El Camino being worked on with the license plate numbers. Maybe let's not read that into the uh, into the recording <laughs> because that, that is uh, my actual car, and I don't want anyone trying to come and find it. Don't worry, <laughs> defense hasn't done that work, so they won't do it. It could have been authenticated to see a man working on another man's car. Usually, not the case. He'd be working on his yeah. own car, and you could at least identify him. But they didn't even do that. Uh, the key here, right, is that Doctor Dunch has not been credible this entire time, <laughs> right? So. Uh, if Dr. Dunch wants to allege that he's, it's not him in the video, all you have to do is point to the inaccuracies in his other non-credible testimony, right? At one point, he was doing a Boston accent. At one point, he was doing a Southern accent. Uh, he, you know, is using a neck brace and a cane and then clearly not in the video. Use the fact that the judge saw Dr. Dunch and saw the videos uh, to explain that, you know, unless there's evidence that Dr. Dunch has a twin brother, then you can really hone in on uh, something else because you don't, you, when you have to prove a negative, you're just, you want to use everything else that you have at your disposal to throw against the wall. Despite the credibility issues that Dr. Dunch really gave no leeway for, I guess, you know, his counsel, uh, yeah, he, he was not a particularly credible individual. But, um, I don't think that goes to the question as to whether the video was cut, you know, edited. We don't know when it was taken. We don't have timestamps on the video. You know, there's a bunch of questions as to the authenticity, regardless of his credibility. I think that's true. Uh, my explanation was more about the question I posed to uh, defense, right? Mm -hmm. That if if the claimant is going to say it's not him on the video, which can happen from time to time because they will try stuff when they know that they're pinned, mm -hmm. right? Uh, usually that's like a sign that their credibility is actually decreasing. Mm. All right, great, great discussion there. Uh, Corey, we have one, one more issue for you. Um, and your issue is which defense is stronger for the hospital, intoxication or intentional injury? So for the defense, um, I guess you're not weighing in here, are you? You can. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I was given two options here. Yeah, yeah. we kind of gave Corey two options there. Uh, do Do you want to? Do you want to give him one? 
feel like it's only fair if we're having each person is having to be one side or the other. Sure. So just for clarity of this judge's sake, uh, <laughs> could you repeat what the, <laughs> <laughs> what the actual what question, the question and was. what Corey needs yeah. to answer? That's how our listeners know this is live. Uh, no editing from Mr. Grayson. Uh, which defense is stronger for the hospital? Intoxication or intentional injury? I think... Corey, I'd like you to try to answer and figure out if intentional injury is the best. Just as you say. So, when there's an intentional injury or an assault in the workplace, um, it can be compensable for either party. Uh, the issue here is looking into the details surrounding the assault um, and whether and determining whether or not it occurred. Uh, in the course of employment. Now in New Jersey, if an employee is assaulted by a non-coworker, that employee is pretty much going to have a case no matter what because they are in that location where they were assaulted or attacked due to their employment. It's a but-for test. So but-for their employment, putting them in this position, they would not have been assaulted. That's the logic behind that. So the standard here for Dr. Dunch bringing outside factors possibly with his personal animus against another doctor seems to still be rooted in their competition within the hospital itself. Um, and there are cases uh, that involve uh, assaults or, or fights between coworkers that have been found compensable that technically happened off premise, although they were you know in a stairwell one floor above their actual office. Um, so location isn't entirely dispositive. I think it really is looking at where the animus is sorted. Um, you know, in this case, uh, the hospital had just announced Dr. O'Donnell as the chief of surgery. And this is something that stuck in Dr. Dunch's craw, so to speak, and was probably the last straw that he had endured that pushed him to the point of bringing a gun to his place of former employment. Um, whether or not Dr. O'Donnell engaged in any sort of mutual combat or um, uh, response, it was a spontaneous reaction to what he experienced as an assault. He saw a man charging after him with a gun. He responded. Whether or not he threw that man to the ground doesn't really matter because he is still not the aggressor. The aggressor is the person approaching with a gun. And by that standard, um, an aggressor has never been found to have a compensable claim in New Jersey. Um, the intention to injure somebody is what prevents that person, even if they are an employee, obviously, from filing a claim. Now, for Dr. O'Dwyer, or sorry, O'Donnell, he is the victim by our standard. He is the person who the aggressor is attacking, and he is responding with a spontaneous reaction to that aggressive behavior. And any injuries that could have occurred to the other party are not important. They're not, they're not relevant. The only thing that is relevant is that he was initially attacked. Any injuries stemming therefrom are within the course of his employment. He would not have been in that room but for his employment. And because an aggressor charged in and he reacted, he may seem to have done something. He might be, you know, 
causing damage to someone else, but it is that spontaneous reaction that prevents him from being categorized as an aggressor and therefore non-compensable. So he is compensable, unfortunately. All right. What do you guys say about the intoxication defense? The intoxication defense as the best defense yeah. possible. Um, um, well, what we do know is that Dr. Dunch and Mr. Major had gone out the night before. Um, I think we heard testimony from Mr. Major indicating that uh, they were two good old boys going at a, a bottle. Is more or less what I remember from from the cross examination that we conducted. But um, the from what I remember, Dr. Dunch and uh, Mr. Major had about 12 drinks the night prior. There is also in the accident report an indication that Dr. Dunch had a few drinks prior to being on the premises on the 21st of April. Um, now, whether that meets the burden of uh, the high standard, you know, that intoxication was the sole reason that the claimant had, um, sorry, that, that the intoxication um, excuses, essentially, the workplace accident um, is arguably met here, I think. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my response to it. So to add on the intoxication defense, I would, there was a lot of evidence in the file that Dr. Junch was a drinker and had been intoxicated by alcohol prior to the assault, but there's also, I would think the defense could add in that there was possible medication and drug intoxication as well. He was, there was evidence that there was a lot of pharmaceutical kickback issues with Dr. Dunch. There was witness testimony, I believe, by um, Mr. Fortunato, who is the pharmaceutical rep at the hospital, that Dr. Dunch was profusely sweating a lot during, before the assault. He was um, had anger issues, had shakes, had increased temper, and a lot of that stems from drug abuse. So I would all, I would say that we could argue that Dr. Dent, Dr. Dunch was not only intoxicated by alcohol but also drugs prior to the assault, and there's a good basis for the intoxication defense. All right, I feel like, uh, and, and I guess Connor, you weren't here the last segment. I mean, uh, there was definitely more like tact and uh, reasoning based on legal theory for these arguments. There's no just like, ah, like fighting against each other. Uh, so I was kind of hoping like the gloves came off, but you guys actually surprised me very nicely with uh, a lot of like well thought out theory for your conclusions. Um, so that ends the oral argument round. We're gonna finish with uh, one surprise, and that is uh, we're going to ask you guys, if you can change one thing about the mock trial program, what would it be? Best answer is going to get five points. Middle answer, three. Uh, last answer, one. So while I think, uh, you know, Connor, uh, what are you doing this weekend? Anything fun? This weekend, uh, you know, I might do some work on that sweet El Camino that was mentioned. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's no chance a, a license plate was mentioned at all. So yeah, I think yeah. no, no license plate. Um, they definitely didn't mention the state it was the license plate's from. Um, I want to apologize for being thorough. <laughs> <laughs> that was a trivia question, you know, what was Connor wearing in the surveillance video? Oh, how many points was that yeah. for Paris? Yeah. What was he wearing? 
Jorts. The paralegal called it jean shorts. And I was like, ah, you I gotta say it's a missed opportunity. I don't know. Yeah, that's accurate, but I think a missed opportunity mm-hmm. to put out jorts on the podcast for sure. It got the people going. It's okay. I corrected it. I made sure jorts was a word said nice. on the podcast as it's being said now. Jorts. I am from the South, <laughs> so it is acceptable attire down there. All right. <laughs> Who wants to go first with their one thing they could change about mock trial? Uh, I, I think one of the best things about mock trial is kind of just being thrown out and in deep water and trying to land on your feet. Um, I think this year we did a different approach from the year prior, which was um, not have everyone necessarily speak during the, the segments. I think um, while it's kind of a double-edged sword because we want to you know, bring in as many people, I think it's also... Um, Maybe even better if we were to have everyone speak, regardless. Because um, it's really what it's about, I think, is the whole program is meant to have you see what you can do with sort of ridiculous prompts and uh, situations and see how you balance it all. So I think the best way to do that is by pushing people to, to do exactly that and, and speak up. I think that's my takeaway. That's a fair point, fair point. Anybody else? I would say, well, since this is my first year doing it, the only real familiarity I had with how it's done in the past is I listened to last year's podcast, and I can already say I think this year's was run better because of the time you had to prep in like before. Um, but I will say I think if we do keep it that you can participate and you don't have to speak, which, again, I do think that's fair. Um, you shouldn't disclude people because they don't want to speak up. But I do think maybe a clearer point system should be awarded if you're not going to speak. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily fair that if someone on your team didn't participate in the prep that they should be awarded as much in like an overall team aspect. I don't know. I, I, and I don't mean it to be like more of a, like a competitive thing. I just think in terms of like outlining like who gets more points. And uh, to Addison and Brianna, Alexa still loves you, even though she thinks this one was better this year. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I was about to go run over there and tell them. <laughs> I'll admit it to them after this. All right. Uh, Corey, what, what, what's your thought? So I was making a transcript joke earlier, but I was only half kidding. Okay. I think um, it's pretty helpful to watch back what you've done. Uh, and so, you know, if you, say you've never actually taken someone's testimony before, um, you, you kind of black out, you know, you're in the moment. You don't really remember when you go back to think about it too much, or at least not in great detail. Um, for me, I can, I can say that I probably remember more of other people's testimony because I'm an observer rather than a participant. So I think if there was some way to record, you know, not necessarily get a transcript, but maybe just record the um, testimony that's being taken just so that the participants can watch it back, um, you know, take some notes, uh, maybe ask other people to view it and give them some notes. Uh, it definitely would help get better. I remember doing this a while ago in law school for some reason. I had to do a, a pitch. and uh, For some reason. For some reason. I had to do a pitch, but it had to be recorded. And we had to do three versions of it. And I remember by the third time, I had it where I wanted it because I was able to go back, critique myself, and then go in and try to execute again. So I think that would also prompt more people to speak up if they can see something they want to work on 
and then know, okay, next time we go in, I'm going to take this approach or I'm going to, I'm going to ask questions this way. Um, because we did have a decent amount of, you know, oral presentation that can be worked on and it's easier if you can go back and see what you just did. Um, that would be my, all right. My assistance. I think this was a great recording, Connor. Uh, you know, thanks for your help, uh, you know, this year as well. Um, but for Corey Benavides, Tomer Lair, Alexis Intron, and last year's champion, Connor Weatherington, my name is Christian Cisan. Welcome, well, reminding you, <laughs> welcoming you. It's like so many podcasts. I'm reminding you guys to defend from day one. <laughs>